Ron's Podcast presents Pulsar by Ron Schaefer. Sixty-two. I was proud of myself for having gotten the job of redesigning the swimming pool in the high school. So I took the family out onto the lake that summer with my new boat, telling everybody we're going for one fabulous ride. Well, Mom didn't like the water, never has. Won't even go out in a boat. But I talked her into it. Load up, jump in, come on, Mom. Went on a windy day. Well, once, twice, three times. She tries to step into that pitching hull. Finally, bloop, she's in the water. Everybody overboard to pull her out, standing up dripping wet. Well, we never did take her on that boat trip. I just remember seeing her standing there as the pier disappeared out of view, soaked like a wet rat and madder than hell itself. 63. If you spend all your time in planning some 50 ways to execute a heist and never come to a decision, and it's all arguing between the lot of you, and you get pissed off, and people start swinging punches, you never will accomplish a single damn thing. Trust me. 64. His name was actually Earl, but he never liked being called that. He preferred Chick for some reason. Chick had two failed marriages that I knew of, and a few other affairs that didn't seem to last long. Don't get me wrong, I'm not judging. Chick is a nice, thoughtful guy, and my own life has been a mess. So I'm just stating a fact here. He had a son by one of those marriages, and I think the separation and the impermanence finally got to him. His boy was at camp, one of those Camp Gitchigumi things parents send their kids to over the summer vacation just to get them out of the house for a while. It was on a Parents' Day session. It was Chick's turn to be the parent for a day. Chick just walked in and took him. Nobody knew where they went. It wasn't until later that people realized what had happened. Chick took his kid without the proper procedure, thereby kidnapping him. I was called in to help find them and I called for backup, aunts, uncles, friends, cousins, you name it. We looked everywhere. I mean, everywhere. But something he had told me once stuck in my mind. I remember him saying, if he's going to live in a fatherless world, the best place for him is the military. At least it'll make a man of him, make him something I never was. I found the two of them in the parking lot of a boys' military training school. There happened to be one on the other side of the county from the camp. The boy went home with his mother. Nothing else was to become of this incident, although it would be a cold day in hell before Chick saw his son again. The two of us just stood there in that parking lot watching the boy being taken away. Why'd you do it, Chick? He looked at me so sadly, like the world was fading from his grasp. I wanted to give him a chance, he said. A chance not to become another me. 
65. It's those women, they always tease me when I sleep too long. Those two always hassle me when I come into work late, like they actually care. I spend some time out in the rainforest, and I always come back to work a little sleepier now. Call it occupational hazard. So they quetch, quetch, quetch. They mean it in good fun, but it gets annoying after a while. So I ask them this. Why attack Africa? It shuts them up long enough for me to get back to work. 66. As an age-old philosopher once said, When I lie, I lie to please. The son of a bitch had a way with phrasing things. And he knew how to get out of anything. Me, I make it up as I go along. And I lie to keep my ass out of hot water. 67. There was the case of the shrunken head I found for sale at some market display. You don't argue with these people. I bought it for my dad. I don't know why, but I felt it would help him somehow. Yeah, the things are illegal as all hell, but there it was, and I was in a strange land, and I thought it might actually help those who put up the display in the first place, considering it came from a school for messed up kids. Hell, at least they have a school. Dad said it was creepy. He liked it. 68. There's that study hall teacher. Yeah, I lost my jacket. Whose jacket is this? She announces. I keep quiet and hope she goes away. 69. At the funeral home, I was gazing over the pictures set out there for the family of the dead, lives trapped onto little squares of paper covered in silver halide. I can't say I even knew who those people were. I just stopped in to make arrangements for the future. And I wondered, how am I going to do it? Mom's been out for a month now. All the others are gone. It's my decision. Pull the plug, doctor. It's costing electricity. I guess I'll just sit here a little while longer and look at other people's photographs. 70. Save us! God help us! Look out! It's the giant skyscraper robot! He's come to New York just to eat skyscrapers. And there are people inside. Won't somebody do something? Run for your lives! Yeah! 71. I sent my credit card to someone in California to buy things I need. I didn't hear from them in weeks. I got such a big bill. Balloons and blood were growing out of my skin. I found an old photo with Barbara Stanwyck's autograph on it and photocopied it by the hundreds to make a few bucks. Some girl I showed it to wanted to protect the original and condemned me for corruption at the copies I made. Yeah, well, what the hell.
Then there was this lady who wanted me to fill in for her son at the restaurant downstairs. I said I was busy with rehearsals and didn't have time. We got into an argument and she called me lazy. Shit, I'm on my way to the West Coast. What do I need her for? I told her I was writing an expose on the life of Johnny Carson. Ed McMahon asked to see it. Actually, he just wanted to know if he was in it, the prick. The ticket vendor at the goddamn multiplex across the street actually charged me extra for taking too long for my date and I to decide which movie to see. We got into an argument, too. There were protesters in front of the flower shop next door carrying signs about the killing of flowers. Went to the little amusement park later and got stuck in the haunted house. Tim Conway-type weirdos came after us. Made out on the couch, sent her home. African song stuck in my head. Stayed up late making plans for the big move. My friends are concerned that I haven't been growing lately, but I've been cleaning up the backyard and doing my stuff. In California, things will be different. I finally went to the cemetery to confess about the strange events in my life. In school, I was let out for my destiny. I'm already feeling new creativity. Living, moving to a new city. I'm about to let loose. In California, everything will be better. This I know. Where did I park the car? Downtown somewhere. 72. Blood. The knife. My hands. The man at my feet. The grabbing of red-stained clothing. The look in his eyes. Why? I don't know. Can you believe me when I tell you? The siren. The handcuffs. The ride. The photo flash. The fingerprint. The room with the ugly fluorescent light. The man in the suit. The tape recorder. Are you nervous? I don't know what I am. Can you answer a question? Why? The face. The unblinking stare. I want to help you, but I can't. I have no answer. The walk. The metal cell. The clank. The weight. Blood under my fingernails. Now what? 73. Late at night. There by mistake. Five of us, waiting for a parent-teacher meeting never to take place. Kids, just kids. That's what they called us. That's what we were, meant to be there to explain our side of things. Lights on, but quiet. No janitor, no nothing. What the fuck is this supposed to be? Remy shouted to the auditorium. James was cool, smoked a cigarette. Knew he wouldn't get in trouble this time. Lisa chewed gum. I read a comic book. Rena ran off to check her makeup. Then it was. Lights were flashing. The others wanted to blow this joint, waiting for Rena's reappearance. Let's go, they said. 
Let me go get her, ran Lisa. What's with the lights? Remy was always so eloquent. Lisa returned. Rena's gone. The girl's room was filled with her stuff and streaks of blood on the walls. We went to look, checked the hallways. Lisa was scared, so were we. Nothing could be found. Lights flickered. Stay together, stay together, we all said. Front door. Door locked. Trying to break it down with a chair without any results and giving up. Since when is it locked against the inside? James went for the back door. We followed. Cafeteria closed. Boiler room. James knew his way. Lisa said no. I calmed her. James goes. We wait. Time passes. No James. We enter as the heater hums and the air shafts vibrate, finding James' shoes. And another bloodstain, etc. Lisa freaks. Remy wants to run. I say no and try for the door. The door is locked, bolted outside. A scratching, clawing noise emanates from the air ducts. We run out and head down the corridor to an empty classroom to hide. Heads under desks like ostriches. This is stupid, I say. Let's try to break the boiler room door. Or a window, adds Lisa. A desk and a window collide. Window shatters, doesn't break. Lisa screams as an air vent pops open and we take to flight again. No Remy. Remy! James! Rena! we cry. Where the fuck are you guys? Lisa and me alone, the other side of the school. Lights out. We huddle in a stairwell. Jesus, what is this? Lisa screams in my ear. We huddle and wait for someone to come and get us as air vents pop. One, two, clatter to the ground. Asthmatic breathing echoes down the hall. Step, drag. Step, drag. Sounds like bare feet. Oh shit, oh shit, Lisa whispers. A shadow passes by before the exit sign. A silhouette is thrown over a mottled glass that separates stairwell from hall. An uncertain shape. A large man or not our friends. Step, drag. Step, drag. Continues down the hall. Looking for... Do we run? Do we stay? Pull the alarm? We're just scared kids. Too frightened to move, letting our imaginations run wild with us. And we will wait all night to make a decision. Seventy-four. I'm innocent. I suppose you heard that before. How did I know what those two were going to be up to? Just like that, we've stolen a car and just as quickly have the police after us. Yeah, right. I've heard you. How could I? Am I so gullible as to be trapped by these fools and join them in grand theft? It would seem so. I tried to get them to stop, but no. A long chase through the streets at night, 
That's what this merits. Cars going by. People jumping out of the way. Sirens screaming, echoing down the canyons of concrete as we whiz by. Where to go? How to reverse the chain of events? What to do with these lummoxes I found myself partnered with? Just sit. Contemplate the course one takes and find out how to get the hell out of here before it's too late. I'm in deep shit. Seventy-five. I was living in a different city. I work in a room that has Venetian blinds. I heap stuff on the floor wherever I can find the room. Some of my stuff has been stolen. I dream of writing down my best stuff here, but it hasn't yet happened. I'm trying to learn to live with the goddess every day. All of us had to rewrite a script to a movie we picked, but I can't find a new angle. Nor my car. Let me tell you this. My car was stolen five minutes after I entered the house. The same day I found out about some mixed-up bills and that I lost some money on the lotto. My girlfriend and my other roommate took me to the police station to fill out a report. I hung out for the longest time in the sandwich shop across the street to await their call. They finally did. They found it. Banged up a bit, but otherwise all right. Meanwhile, I watch as somebody comes in to file a report about their stolen glider. Like I've got problems. My day job. I go back and I find I have to refurbish the company's bell. What a drag. My aunt dies and my family goes on vacation, so I help pack. Come home, write myself into some scene in the Odyssey. Actually, it's just before. I like Ulysses, so I pretend I'm the one who comes up with the Trojan horse at the end of the war. I air out my brain in the kitchen. My friend calls me up and says he has just invented a combination outhouse mailbox and dinette. I ask him why. I microwave some frozen meal that looks like someone's hamster. I go back to writing, wearing my lucky bowling shoes. It helps. The ideas come faster. I set down two or three more ideas I can't remember offhand, then go to bed for a while. I say to myself, Jesus, what a day, and start making plans for the next one, knowing my plans will go all awry. I adopt the slogan, piss on it. 76. I come from a planet far, far away. I was kicked off for misbehavior. I was a radical and hated the status quo. I kept wanting to change things. I was thrown out and regarded hopeless. I've resided on Earth now for the longest time. I can't remember how many lifetimes I've had here. I was thinking of returning, but a messenger showed up to tell me that my work here was not done. I keep coming back as an intellectual. No wonder I'm stuck. 77. Lined up, all in a row, little plastic oceans filled with little plastic life forms sitting on a shelf of a little corner garden shop. I'm taking one home of the little oceans and putting it on my desk. 
and thinking about whole worlds of life within a little plastic bubble. 78. Six cottages, white with green trim, mushroomed near shore, lake holds hum about boards, boats kept fast to each pier, rotting boards nailed to wooden posts. I'm casting my fly rod to their creaking, little fuzzy hook, a light sweat surface. Guy in hat and glasses stumbles by. Resort has ghosts, he says. Heads off in cream-colored retirement togs, arthritis in his walk. Wood shoved into antique stove, cast iron and pot-bellied. We're in number five, near the trees, second last down the trail. Cool enough night for hot chocolate. Hot cider also good. Fishing stories by the fire. Smell of cedar and pine. Cards and candlelight. Flickers make queen of hearts a temptress. A howl and a chair that moves. We huddle into bed. An owl helps keep us awake. Watch the deer head for signs of life. Morning mists obscure the spot. Rowboats come for refuge. Enticing underwater denizens to breakfast. A handmade fly rolls to a stop, awaiting abuse. Another cast. A tug. An unwise and all-too-eager black bass in hand. A second lure and line spear the mist. Cream-colored Joe aboard divides the fog, intruding on my solitude. Reeling in with hands clawed by age. Sleep well, he says. Yes, I lie. Let's hope it continues. He melts into fog and is gone. Cream-colored Joe is just a prank, I tell myself, making us see what's not there. I look at the stars through the window and wait to hear an unfamiliar sound. She tells me she's hitting the sack, asking, pleading, for me to do likewise, bundled up for our late night's read. Hear the tree branches scrape the roof. Before dawn, shuffling off to bathroom, at front door stands a transparent man, motions to speak to me. He's gone before I take a step, dash to bathroom. I pee my heart out and wait an hour. Morning takes too long when you want it. Next year, let's take that cruise we always planned. 79. There he was. King Kong, no shit, knocking down the federal building, right here in Milwaukee. And I'm stuck next to him trying to get out of the way. What the hell's he doing here? I haven't a clue. But there he was, crushing a plane in his hand, snarling at a bunch of cops on the 10th floor, shooting at him. He swung around and planted his foot right where I was hiding, blocking me off from the street. I was able to jump into the magic shop across the way, hoping he wouldn't step on me in the process. The magic shop was rather empty, well, except for the owner. Funky gal, all dressed in gossamer black. Good sales image, I thought. And that friend of hers who always comes in to gab and never buys anything. They were cowering beneath the cash register, looking like frightened, wet kittens. What's happening? Gretchen, the owner, asked. It's fucking King Kong, you blockhead, I answered. Jeez, Danes. 
Every time the big guy stepped, a whole lot of dust shook from ceiling, fans, and Tiffany lamps. Ooh, they shivered. Don't you have some monkey be gone in the cabinet? Yeah. Gretchen ran to get it. The king took another step, and all the little bottles of essentials spilled out onto the floor. So did Gretchen. The other gal just whined a lot in the back. There was so much noise outside. First of all, King's not quiet, no matter what he does. Second, there was all that National Guard ship moving into the neighborhood. Third, from them damn planes buzzing by and shooting, well, mostly they were helicopters, but have you ever tried to talk over one? Finally, there was the girl in his hand. I don't know who it was this time. But all she did was scream, scream, gripe, gripe, gripe. Things were bad enough without all her bitching. Gretchen and I, well, mostly it was me, scrambled for the bottle of Monkey Be Gone, found it, and started mixing together a concoction in one of her little iron pots. No thanks to that bird brain in the corner. Somebody must have given old Congers a shot in the ass because he screamed bloody murder. That shook us all up and we spilled some of the potion. Finally, Gretchen got it lit. It smoked and smoked and really stunk up the place. I ran it outside and let Kong get a whiff of it. He went, pew, and ran off somewhere, dropping the girl off at the YWCA on his way out of town. His thump, thump, thumping cracked more than a few pieces of plaster. We had lots to clean up, but it wasn't my shop, so I headed for the door. Then the damn gargoyle fell off the entranceway and let a demon loose. Gretchen went to call a lawyer to handle it, but that's a whole nother story. 80. Rain. Too heavy. This is. Streets dark. Swim with water. City lights up to retain its sight. Heavy, heavy cloud. Black and blue. Fingers of brightness. Buried in its belly. Hangs low overhead. Crushing things in its path. Rumble. Fierce as a dragon. Snorts aloud. Pressing its foot on bare trees. Tearing limbs and coverings from off their mounts. Step aside. Run. It issues forth foul winds, bent on breaking the back of the town, swirls like fingers, pointing out its path, carves a groove into the neighborhood, sirens howl a warning, people slam their doors, behemoth is approaching, see the giant's claws, get away, get away, get away now. Hail attacks the street. Before too long, we'll be swept too deep to find our way about. 81. The roof leaks from too much water. The third story, loft, always was a needy child. I scribble notes and go to the corner for a newspaper as the weather lets up. The new owner at the bookstore wants me to spend. He knocks the price off a book I look at. 
No thanks, I'm on my way, thank God. My place is flooded out, sewers are backing up. I make it to the loft anyway, no help from the DPW. I can't find my girlfriend's new number to call. The pigeons are poking in through the holes. Looking to find some dry shelter. I squeeze dry phone books and mislaid underwear. Then scribble in crayon, my soggy day. You have been listening to Pulsar, a book of poems by Ron Schaefer on Ron's podcast. You can find out more by going to our website at solarwindmedia.com. Thank you.